Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. And so thank you, every one of you for your time, your participation, your, your practice. It's such a blessing. This morning was just so anointed and I'm just really grateful. Uh, and also, I would want to thank you for being here this morning. I know many of you have busy holiday seasons. You've been driving places and back and forth. Uh, for me, it was a long, difficult day of work yesterday. And um, if people are concerned about COVID, I don't think they're, they're not standing six feet apart. If they were, they'd been out the back of the building. Uh, my line went from, if you've been in our store, from the very front wall of our store all the way back to home theater. That's just the line I was working, you know, and no one was standing six feet apart. So we pray that there's no surge of this after the holidays. But thank you for being here and this morning. Nothing I enjoy more than worshiping the Lord, especially during Christmas, uh, but with my church family. A couple of sides before we even start the message. I wanted to look at, uh, we're going to look at Luke 2 and some of the things that Mary was going through. We've kind of had her as a theme for the last several weeks. But I wanted to mention just two quick things that get brought up during Christmas. Uh, they're free, so I won't charge you for it, okay? Yeah, but two quick things. Um, one, it's, it's a standard repeated phrase or understanding that Christmas was, uh, um, December 25th was appointed as Christmas, as Christmas Day to um, uh, take back the uh, the day from the Romans who who worshipped on the feast of Sol Invictus. Okay, the standard thing is a, the unconquered son. A Roman emperor established December twenty fifth as a feast of Sol Invictus. So it's, it's a feast of Saturn, and the standard line is is the church decided to take it back for God, and December twenty fifth was chosen to try to um, get the pagans to get away from their reverie and, and the debauchery and the sin and to kind of take it back for God, so to speak. Okay, this is, it's been repeated and repeated and repeated. When I remember hearing it when I was a child. Let me just say that it, 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 that's not possible because Christmas was celebrated before this holiday was ever invented by the Roman emperor. So there will be believers who will tell you, you, especially in certain very conservative charismatic circles or very conservative Bible circles, um, that you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because its roots are in a pagan holiday. Okay, There was a book written a few years ago called Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola, and that was his argument, and it went around in charismatic circles for a while. This is why the early church, we know from writings, we know from church fathers, that they picked December 25th because it's exactly nine days from March 25th, which they believe was the day uh, of the Annunciation that Jesus was conceived. And we know this from their writings, that we know the approximate dates of their writings, and we know it's, it was before the Roman emperor ever developed this uh, seven-day feast that ended on December 25th to so Invictus. So in other words, you can be free to enjoy Christmas. <laughs> and don't worry that you're somehow compromising your Christianity, okay? Second quick thing, it's also free, okay? One of the things is that it's popular is, oh, the virgin birth story. That's very, that's a myth. 
It was just picked up from other religions, and it's very popular among other religions. It even is in Star Wars, okay? And so uh, I can be assure you that George Lucas did not come before the virgin birth, okay? His story was not written in the ancient world. And we know that every virgin birth story, like Mithras and things picked up in Star Wars and other uh, cults and religions, those all came after Christianity. So the virgin birth story is actually the first story of God coming unto man uh, in this manner, in this way, and all the other stories came after. Okay, so you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, when I was in college, I was in a theology department of a school. It's very ironic now because one end of the school is very liberal, the theologians, and the other end of the school, the theologians are very conservative. But when I was in school, most, I would say most of the people around me, especially in the teaching positions, did not believe in the virgin birth of Christ because it, it was too irrational, too supernatural. It sounded too myth, mythological. And therefore, they didn't really teach it. I took a course on Jesus of Nazareth, and it was taught that, that was, this couldn't have really happened. This was just a fable. Okay? But let me assure you again that it, before there was ever any stories that took that as its own, that God came uh, to man through a woman, and that he, that the, that the uh, God himself, conceived this child Christianity is the first, okay, and it's not a myth. And even if it was, I agree with C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien, there, there's a myth that explains all myths, and that myths are often reflecting something that's true, uh, maybe getting it partly right, it might be partly wrong, but it's usually partly true, and these myths are pointing to one great myth, one great truth, and there can be one truth, and, and it's in the Bible, and it's, the Bible is teaching us honestly, and, and it's trustworthy, and it's telling us the truth, okay? So those two asides, but let me, feel, uh, let me encourage you in this. This is a joyful holiday to um, celebrate <clears throat> because the Lord saw our plight. He saw Israel's plight, and he saw that uh, we had no way to save ourselves. You know, you could raise up a human like Moses, or you could raise up an Elijah, even a John the Baptist, but they don't have the capability to save us because they don't have the capability of changing a heart. They don't have the capability of overcoming death. They don't have the capability of defeating the enemy, a supernatural power. If God comes by himself and just says, hey, by the wave of the hand, I get rid of those things, we can't relate to him because he hasn't lived our life. He hasn't felt our temptation. He hasn't struggled with our sin you know, for the face, the battles that we face with our sin. So the, the deliverer who has to come has to be f fully human, who's experienced all the temptation as, as we are and all the trials that we have faced and all the battles that we are fighting. But he's also got to be God because he's got to be God in order to have the power to overcome the devil, the power to defeat death, the power to change a heart. So the Lord comes in the virgin birth uh, with the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. That word Greek and overshadowing here means a major manifestation of God. Okay, this is not some weird thing, God having sex with humans. This is the, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and the baby was conceived. 
Okay, I was watching the nativity story the, the other night. Indy and I were watching it. You may have seen it. it came out to three years ago. And the way they depicted it is they had Gabriel standing and talking to Mary in a very natural way because angels, I get so much controversy over saying this, but angels don't have wings. I don't know. I get so much kickback when I say that. But they're, they're, that's a medieval depiction. The word angel means messenger, and it has a human appearance. That's why sometimes people are confused by their appearance. But in this movie, um, uh, Gabriel standing, glowing a little bit to let you know it's a supernatural being. And he's talking to her, and a, this dove flies overhead real fast, you know, as if to say, you know, this is the point when the Holy Spirit has overshadowed her. And so he just conceived this child. I thought it was a well done, simply done scene, not overwrought. And I thought it was well done. And here we have this uh, beautiful woman who's walked with the Lord, probably only 15, some speculate 12 to 14, living in this small town. And now when you've got, you've got these um, major events occurring around you, it's still staggering. I know you would think and I would think, wow, shepherds came and said something and started glorifying God that my child was Savior. Uh, you know, I would sort of take that in. Oh, if an, a Gabriel came and made an annunciation to me, boy, I, that convinced me I'd be sure. You know, uh, the fact is, and then if some magi came, you know, within two years, came to our house and started giving all this lavish gifts, you know, you'd think you'd be convinced. But the fact is, we all are uncertain. You know, when heaven meets earth, it's so unusual and so powerful. Sometimes we think we're dreaming. Sometimes we think we're hallucinating. And then something as important as this, you can imagine in her mind it might be, it might, she might have thought, how me, why me, of all people, that this would happen to. She rejoiced in it in the Magnificat. She was thrilled with the idea of being God's humble servant. But you got to imagine in your mind that she needs reinforcement, right? You need constant reinforcement. That the things that you're thinking and experiencing are just going crazy, you know? And that you're not, um, you imagine, guys, if you dated a girl and you were engaged and she tells you she's pregnant and it's by God. How, what's the chance of that? You know, that's why it takes Gabriel showing up to, Jesus, to Joseph in a dream to convince him not to divorce her in their betrothal. Because, I mean, it's just, it's beyond human imagination almost. So what God's going to do out of his graciousness and mercy is he's going to continue to reinforce to her these truths. She's not, to help her to know that she's not utterly alone. Okay. And the title of my message this morning is, What is a Mother to Do? And we're in Luke chapter 2. And um, thank Deacon John for helping me find the gospel text. It was in a weird place. It's a long story, but it was not in the right place in our books. So, But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. I've already read it, but I will look at it again, and we'll just walk through it a little bit, okay? What is a mother to do? On the eighth day, it was time to circumcise him, and he named Jesus. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So the father names. Joseph knows this name from Matthew 1, and they're 
they're following the Jewish tradition of setting aside Jesus. Verse 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So what is a mother to do? First, it's to obey the Lord. It's spirit-led obedience. That's number one. Spirit-led obedience. I know it's a few moms. There's a challenge that us men don't have. And there's a love. We have a love for our children. We'll jump in front of a bus for our children, protect them and do it all. But there's something just unique and beautiful about a mother's love for her child that she's given birth to. There's a young lady I worked with for several years at Best Buy, and she had a lot of struggles with alcohol, and they had taken her license away because of um, speeding tickets, and I was trying to reach out to her and minister to her. Her mom had died, and I gave her a book on grief that, that talked about the gospel and gave her, out of our benevolence fund, a little gift card to help her get to work. Since she had lost her license, it was an Uber card. And it was try, I was trying to open an opportunity to share the gospel with her. But one of the things she said I thought was interesting, she knew she was struggling, she knew she was failing a lot. And one of her statements was, there's nothing like a mother's love. In other words, I failed over and over again. I've screwed up over and over again, but she never gives up on me. And you're going to see this mother love coming through the Blessed Virgin Mary, this consistency of not giving up, of always walking through even the most immense trials for this child because she loves him. And so there's times in our lives when we're tested and there's a lot of trials going on and we don't know what to do. The first thing in our mind is to do what Mary did, and that's obey the Lord, do what we know to do according to Scripture, and be, follow in spirit-led obedience. They're following the law. They're following some basic rules given out in Leviticus 12. If you have time to look it up sometime in Exodus 12, we're going to look at them right now. But <clears throat> I'm sorry, Exodus 13, uh, 2, Leviticus 12, 8 are specific guidance for what they're doing in dedicating their child to the Lord. Okay, so they're following and and walking out what the Lord, what they already know to be true in the Word of God. Okay, when the time for their purification came, they presented him, as it is written in the law, verse twenty-three: every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord: a pair of doves and two young pigeons. If you look this up in Leviticus. It says that instead of the usual offering, which is very expensive, if you're a poor family, you can substitute pigeons as the sacrifice. So this indicates to us that they were living uh, in poor economic conditions personally. Okay? I know that drives some prosperity teachers crazy with this. He can't set us free from our struggles if he hasn't experienced all our struggles and he's experiencing what it's like to be poor okay and there so they're sacrificing a pair of doves mary would have laid her hands on the doves hand them the priest the priest would have sacrificed them for them they've been a pair um uh one is uh, i believe one is sent off carrying away the sin one is cut to cover the sin and kill so again, spirit-led obedience to what God has already told us 
in Leviticus and Exodus for them in the law. So if you're a mom today and you're struggling with what to do, maybe you're having struggles with a child, the first thing you do is what does Scripture say? Okay. Now, uh, number two. If you're a mom and, you're, and, and we're asking the question, what is a mom to do in the midst of being this incredible responsibility that's been given her by the Lord? Second thing she's gonna do, she's gonna be spirit listening. Spirit listening. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. That means he was committed to the Lord, he had faith in him, and he was following God's word. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means he was looking for the comfort that would, God had promised to bring Israel, uh, bring a healing from their exile, bringing restoration to their pain. They were no longer in Babylon. They were no longer under Persian rulers. They had returned to Jerusalem. They were under Roman oppression, but they were still in the land. But the Bible looks at it, and N.T. Wright has pointed this out very well. They still believed themselves to be in exile. They are still had not been set free from the pain that they were in and the consequences of their suffering. And they knew they needed a Messiah, a Savior, who would come and bring them comfort, set them free from their sin, and reestablish them as a people. So what Simeon is waiting for, he's just waiting for that moment when the Messiah would come and make all things right. And he's waiting for the comfort of Israel. This is alluded to in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 46, and in the the Old Testament reading this morning, Isaiah 61, Lord's making this promise through Israel, I will come and comfort my people. I will come and heal you. I will come and restore you from your sin. I will come and do this work. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this is a major theme in Luke-Acts. As you probably already know, Luke wrote Luke. Luke also wrote Acts. The only reason they're separated is that's as much as you could put on one scroll. You roll out a scroll. He's writing. Luke is writing from one end to the other. He's taking every bit of space. He runs out of space, so he starts a new scroll, and that's what we call Acts. But really, you need to read them as one book because all the themes are going through. It's what the Holy Spirit did in Christ Holy Spirit does through us, okay? And so this is a major theme running through Luke. The Holy Spirit is upon him. It was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So there was an intimacy with the Lord. The Lord had given him comfort that he would have the opportunity to at least see the beginnings of Messiah's reign. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus for him, what the custom of law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Here's a man who knew by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. He listened, he walking through the temple courts. This is a court of women where they do these um, purification rites. And as he walks up, he knows by the presence of the Holy Spirit that this child is Messiah. He does not have to see the child to do a healing. He does not have to see the child do a deliverance. He does not have to see the child walk on water to know in his heart of hearts that this child is the Messiah. He sees an infant. I mean, most of us would go, no, that's not how God comes, is in a baby that needs diapers. It has this prophetic voice, sees the anointing, the unlimited on this child, 
and knows and glorifies God and praises him that he has done this work. He has fulfilled his promises. So the, one of the things he's going to tell her by the Spirit is this. The child's father and mother marveled, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined because of the falling and rising of Midian Israel. So it's going to, his life is going to cause complete destruction. Some will be raised up out of humility and brokenness. Some will be put down because of their pride and unbelief. And this is to be a sign that will be spoken against. So he will be spoken against because he's a sign of the Lord that the Lord has come. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed in his presence. He will bring conviction of sin and reveal what's really in people's hearts. There's a lot of people pretending to be devoted to the Lord, but in their heart of hearts, they're really in it for themselves. They're using religion to gain money, gain power, gain prestige, gain influence. And his presence is going to bring conviction of sin and reveal what their motives are really like. And then others who are simple fishermen are going, their hearts are going to be revealed. People look down on them because they weren't much. They didn't think much. They didn't have much. They didn't do much other than fish. But the whole Jesus is going to reveal their hearts that they're men of faith women of faith are going to step out and follow him. And through them, he's going to do great and miraculous things. He's revealing hearts. And then he says to Mary directly, a sword will pierce your own soul too. As a mom, your heart's going to be broken. Now, that's a tough word to give. I haven't heard many words like that in a charismatic service. <laughs> Most of all charismatic services are always positive, always encouraging. But here's the Simeon saying this child's going to have a major impact on this whole nation, but he's also going to have a major impact on you. So what's a mother to do? She is going to spirit anticipate God's promise to Israel. She's going to find out that these promises made to Israel are also made to her. And she's going to find out that she's going to be involved in the salvation of the world. But she also knows that in this salvation, her heart will be broken too. She's being forewarned by the Lord that something's going to happen that's going to break her heart. So two things are going on. There are actually three. Spirit obedience. Mary is now spirit listening through Simeon, and we're going to see through Anna as well. And then she's also going to spirit anticipate God's promises to Israel. And those promises will lead to the death of her son. Now there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and of a tribe of Asher. For this much detail, Luke is just beautiful as a gospel writer because he gives you so much detail. And for her to have this much detail, she would have been widely known. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then was a widow for 84 years. If you take her total life uh, and add it up, it's 105 years. Uh, there's an apocryphal book called, uh, about Judith and Tobit and a widow and so forth. And she was also 100. Judith was 105 years. And so Anna is here and she dedicated her time to prayer and dedication to the Lord. 
and she spent time in the presence of the Lord. Her life is basically lived in the temple in the presence of the Lord. He's giving her comfort. He's giving, taking away her loneliness. He's um, her friend and companion. It says she never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. She walks up to them in this setting. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to redemption of Israel. This child is going to be the child that's going to set Israel free. We also know from other passages and from other birth texts that he's also the, the worshiping. Uh, she's also declaring that he's going to be worshipped among the Gentiles. What's a mother to do? A mother's there to listen to spirit encouragement. Listen to spirit encouragement. It's in a situation like Mary, like we talked about at the very beginning of the message. It's easy to get baffled by all the things that are happening around you. Angelic appearances. And later it's going to be a magi appearance. Okay. Strange people coming into your into your into the house, the barn area, for shepherds. And now two prophet, a prophet and a prophetess, are coming up and pointing and saying, "Yes, the things you felt, less yes, the things you've been told, are true. Yes, the things that baffle you, and you sometimes probably are afraid that they are a figment of your imagination. No, they're not. The Lord, out of His grace and mercy, has sent us." to encourage you that this child that you've been told will be the savior of the world and he will set their people from this free from their sin. He is the one and you haven't made this up in the figment of your imagination. So what's a mother to do? Mother is to walk in spirit-led obedience, to listen to the Holy Spirit through Anna and Simeon. She's to anticipate God's promises operating in her life, and she is to be encouraged by God's words. Then at the end of the text, we're told, verse 39, Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, and they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. They go back to ordinary living. They go back to their hometown. And Jesus grows up as a young man. And as he grows, he begins to be, have an authority and a wisdom that can't be totally explained. There's a closeness and intimacy with God. And the grace of God was upon him. Now for the next 30 years, they're going to watch this child grow, grow into a man, become a carpenter. And he's going to develop right in front of their eyes. But all these things, Luke tells us, Mary treasured and pondered in her heart. She's not going to know for sure that all the things that she's been told are true until she's 30, he's 30 years old. So as a mom, she's going to know that God's promises are true and as she's waiting those 30 years she's anticipating God's promise in and through him knowing that she's been forewarned that this is going to be a difficult time and her heart may be broken but knowing that God is coming to comfort to comfort his people Isaiah 40 verse 1 
As I mentioned, I think in every message so far about Mary, is that no matter you're Protestant or Roman Catholic, everyone recognizes she's a model disciple, someone to look at and say, Lord, work through me as you work through her. Help me to have the faith in you as she had the faith in you. And so as we live our lives, obviously we're not going to see uh, a Messiah come through our family. But what we can see and know is God operating in and through us. We can see heaven and earth meet in our lives. We can have the kingdom of God come and bring healing and ministry and to people through us. We can know the gospel being preached and we can share it and God will work through us to see hearts changed and she sees people's lives transformed. So what is, a, what is a mother to do? What are we to do? We are also to be spirit obedient, walk in the word and what the word has already taught us. We're spirit listening. We're listening to the voice of God and as we're dedicating our lives to his service, we're being obedient to his word. As he's giving his, his word, not only in the spirit and in his word, the Bible, we can anticipate God's promises to us. That all, remember, we're, all the promises of God in 1 Corinthians, it says, are yes and amen in Jesus. So we can know that every promise that's been given us to in Christ is true for us. We can know that at times that ministry and life may lead to a spirit brokenness. Okay? But we can also know that the Lord will bring spirit encouragement and spirit comfort to us in the midst of our walking with Him and our trusting Him and our life in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for your word. It always encourages us. We thank you for Mary and what you did through her. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus, who now lives in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you help us, Lord, by your grace to be Mary-like disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.